0: My mom was always that person that was like super supportive. So when she saw, I started to like, I remember she got me this book and the first line of the book says that a lens is designed to be like an eye, but unlike the eye, a lens cannot differentiate what's important in an image. So you need to, as a photographer, need to figure out what skills you can use to isolate something and share it with the reader. <laughs>
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about finding your path to a creative career. I'm your host Rob Goodman. I'm a marketer and an artist, and on today's show we have Andre Laroe. Andre is an amazing photographer. He's part of the Adobe Creative Residency program, which he's wrapping up this year. He's had some amazing adventures in his career so far. He just wrapped a project working with the Warriors. And on today's show, we talk about his upbringing, his being an immigrant, his being an only child, raised by a single parent, his mother. He talks about the influence that she's had on his life and the amazing support that she has brought him. Andre is a really fun, personable guy. He has fantastic stories from his career, great advice that he's heard over the years. You're going to learn about his project called Stories From Here which is all about these micro stories that he tells of people from all across the country and how that transformed him into being a better listener, which he credits with making him better at so many things in his life. So let's get started with my conversation with Andre Laroe. I hope you guys enjoy it. Andre, welcome to the show. Well, I'm
0: happy to be here. Thanks for taking time and letting me come hang out in your house. Yeah, all these cool paintings and stuff. Can I take something home? Or? <laughs>
1: we'll see. We can discuss that <laughs> afterwards. I mean, guests usually get you know like pins and notebooks and, and I'm here, stuff I'm like here that, to barter, but, man. Yeah, I'll yeah. trade you my jacket and an hour of my time. Well, you got you got a pretty cool jacket actually. So we'll we'll, we'll discuss <laughs> post pod. Uh, post podcast. So um, you are in town for the wrapping up of the Adobe Creative Residency. Yes. Which is really exciting which is a year long of your life with Adobe basically pursuing the creative project of your dreams or your, your dream this past year. So talk to me a little bit about the experience and what it's like to look towards the kind of end of this this road. And you're you're a photographer you've been doing this for years so you entered the program as a photographer i know you have some videographers as mentors Mm -hmm. too so tell me a little bit about it you know
0: it's interesting a lot of stuff has changed this year for me like internally and externally um but i don't if i did it again i would do the same thing man i um so this all started i was shooting fashion week with tumblr last not this last january in 2018 but 2017 nice um i was a creative associate at walker and company and they'd closed their new york office and we're like you can move to san francisco if you want and i was like no nah, i'm good <laughs> um and i was like trying to decide there's a woman who mentored me when i was at walker she's a creative director named Mari shively and she works here at instagram and she looked at me and she was like look i think that your everything you need is here in new york and you're just starting to build it and i don't think you should leave And I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was like trying to apply for jobs and I was in that weird spot where like at Walker I was doing creative. So I was like writing copy and like planning out shoots and just like working on a lot of things. And it was really good for me in that like A, I had someone whose work I respected that wasn't necessarily a photographer to work over me. And I think that was a really nice practice for me to like start to think about like life as a creative and not as a photographer. And then number two um the consistency and the accountability of something instead of like the madness of trying to like make enough money to like stay alive so once that left I was like in this weird period for like a couple months where I like didn't have that consistency all of a sudden and I was like shoot fashion week I got to shoot the NCAA tournament um which was great I got to do a lot of things I liked but I was like all right like I have a certain amount of money saved and I'm not about to like just blow it just like being a fool face. Right. And so So, when she
1: advised you that you should keep cultivating your New York kind of world where you kind of put into shock of like, all right, well, I guess that means I'm going to try to be independent for a little bit and see how this goes. Yeah, I was
0: super reticent because I was like, um, I, I think that there is like a level that you learn as like the child of an immigrant where you want to make sure that your constant goal is to like Honor your parents' sacrifice, or in my case, just my mom's. And you want to make sure that you are constantly making a series of not necessarily safe decisions, but decisions that are going to yield you something to walk back and say, You sacrifice all this stuff for me. Here is the like example of what you did. Yeah. Right. So this job was ending. My mom was like, You don't have health care. Like, what's going on? You're going to die in these streets. And I'm like, Yes, great. Sewer great. Just death. It's going to happen to me. <laughs> and um, basically, I. Yeah. In that like two months, like I was, I got to shoot fashion week. I got to shoot the NCAA tournament. I got to shoot just like a couple projects I wanted to do here and there some portraits of some people and some stuff. And like, honestly, it was, everything was fine. I always had this like fear that I'm going to wake up one day and like no clients ever going to work with me again, which is like so weird, but it like drives me to always like just always, I try to have a goal of like either have something ready to post. One day, which is like ridiculous because I'm a, supposed to be an artist and not a media company, but like people pay attention to your Instagram. So you have to kind of, yeah, work once on every that. day, you said? Yeah. Not, not necessarily something, not trying to post every day, but making something that like you feel comfortable with sharing. Yeah. Then the second thing is putting in work to start to work on something else. And lastly, is making a new human connection. Um, and that is like a cycle that I try to work with, but. Yeah. So I was like at this point kind of being independent. Fashion week was interesting because I'd never done it before and it was for Tumblr, but it wasn't for any money. It was just like giving you access to this world. Mm -hmm. I've never done it. I will never do it again. It was so stressful. (laughs) But it was just an interesting world to see like all of these different people were getting paid to basically tell these brand stories, but more importantly, like make and establish and maintain this image of like whatever people wanted. Um, and so one day I was like shooting fashion week and it was very overwhelmed because it's like hot and all these people are like making a big deal about stuff. I think it's kind of weird. And I checked my phone in the mid- between shows and I got an email from Adobe and I was like, what? And this lady was like, Hey, like, I just want to let you know about the residency And I read it and I was like, what is this? And then I just hit, like, mark as unread because I'm, like, a neurotic person who leaves all this stuff unread until I respond to it. Yeah, yeah. I do the
1: same thing. That's great. It's my tracking mechanism. Dude, it's,
0: like, I want to get to inbox zero more than anyone that you've ever met. And so, like, friends of mine will email themselves stuff and I'm like, that sounds horrible. But, yeah, so I got an email from Heidi who is, um, she, like, she works on the program but she's, like, there's a program director and she's in charge of that person. And she was just letting me know about it. And so I, um... (laughs) I checked my email when I got home. I like read up about it a little bit and I happened to, I texted the screenshots to just a couple people like, isn't this kind of weird? And my friend responded and he was like, dude, that's crazy. My best friend's girlfriend is just finishing it up right now. So you're talking about Craig. Sid Weiler is a, like a like, talented illustrator and she has this, these things called trash doves that are like really popular on the internet. Uh-huh. Um, even though she like will kill me for associating her with that. Cause she's trying to like move on from it. Um, she had just was completing the program at that point. And he knew about it, so he was like, "You should do it." She had a great experience. Nice. And so I was like, "Whatever, like, like whatever, you know, like it'll happen eventually. Like maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't." So I like started to think about what I wanted to do. You
1: weren't, you weren't excited to be reached out to. I was excited to be
0: reached out to, but like, you know, you people say things a lot, and you don't know them. Yeah. So people can promise you the world, and they may not necessarily give it to you. So I try not to get too excited until, yeah. for me, that feeling of like excitement over a project isn't there until it's absolutely finished right right um i'll talk about it later with like i just said that thing with the warriors and that's a great example so like she said the thing and i was like this could be cool maybe but like i don't know if i'm gonna get it like obviously a lot of people are gonna apply to it also like how do i not know this exists this is so cool
1: right it's just the third year uh, this is the third year of it and basically
0: it's what they it's what they say it is like (laughs) i just get to work and nobody bothers me like honestly like you like you that sounds crazy, but, like, that's basically everyone's dream is just, to like, have money or get paid money and get to do what they want to do and, right. like, get left alone. And it was great. I mean, obviously, like, each program, uh, everything can be better, and they're trying to make it better. But I just appreciated having the freedom to be, like, okay, I want to, when they, like, they you start to read the pitch and they talk about, like, making a, you have to make an idea that's big enough for a year. Yeah. And originally, I wanted to do this project called Echo Chamber that was about how where we choose to live impacts our, like, general beliefs about other people and then that manifested into stories from here because it became more a project about lived experience so um i applied the residency i got it and the thing one thing i will say i i really appreciated how like quickly they responded like each round of the interview was like very seamless there wasn't like a lot of that awkward silence right um and so
1: was it intense the application process? Did you it have to write kind of, kind of like long. a thesis? Or? You had to
0: write like a thesis. Um, in the second round, you have to make a like a sample budget, which I'm like a child and like never fully know how to understand how to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, the thing I leaned on, and I'll always say, is like I leaned on the power of the people around me. So I asked Mari, I asked other people professional, I said, "Does this make sense? How does this project work for me?" And when I was at Walker and Company, their main products called Bevel to Shape System, and I. There's two projects I did before in my life that kind of prepared me for this. When I was in college, I did a project my senior year in Advanced Photo 2 with John Kaplan called My Neighbors, and it was about how growing up going to college in Gainesville, where the university is, the west side, University of Florida, is very rich, and there's a lot of white people, and it's great, and then the east side, there's like less public transit. It's like just grosser. It's definitely like a more rundown area, and a lot of students will live on the east side because it's a lot cheaper like where we were living people would be like "Yo, you live over there? like what's that what like what? why and it just always really bothered me so i remember wanting to do a project about it so i straight up just walked around and took photos of people that lived there and it was called my neighbors and it was kind of stressful but i got used to it it got it was stressful because i was i'm like always afraid to approach people for that yeah um so i did that project and then when i was at bevel i did this project called find your barber which is about micro stories about barber shops in specific cities so nice. like it worked well for them because it was, like, the cities that they sold the most stuff in. But it also worked well because, like, they were, like, it was, like, Philly and Atlanta. Like, all these places that hair is a really big deal. So I kind of had those two prepped. And then stores from Here I wanted to be, or originally Echo Chamber, I wanted to be this open-ended project where I kind of had a thesis that, like, our identity is so wrapped up in our sense of place. But not necessarily where we live now, but where we lived before. And how um, those, like, it, like where we used to live and our perception of what makes home sacred is like an amalgamation of all the things around us, and that is how we draw a lot of value. So um and stories from here, that's been your that's what's what my focus. Been my for main project for the
1: year. I have some other stuff, but that's that's the main thing. And um it's like these micro stories mm-hmm. with video and audio and and words telling how do you find these people and how many stories have you captured so far?
0: Oh man, so we've done 10 cities. We did Austin, oh wow, San Antonio, El Paso, um I'm just gonna say all the cities, and you tell me which one you hear about. I'll tell you: so, <laughs> uh, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, Los Angeles, Providence, um, Rhode Island, New Haven, Connecticut. Um, I did a couple people in New York. I did West Palm Beach, Florida, Lake City, Florida, Chicago. I feel like I'm missing one, but wow. that's
1: that's yeah. So it, it was it was really good. What was like the place that you went to that was? the biggest stretch for your comfort zone and that surprised you in the biggest way, either like feeling more like home than you, than you suspected or feeling kind of alien (laughs) to you.
0: Mm. I'm going to go with two. I just did this Mike micro project in stories from here called purple and gold about these five kids that are high school kids in Lake city, Florida. Yeah. And Lake city is like 40 miles North of Gainesville. So it's like sticks like, these kids out in the country, bro. they got like a farm program at the high school. I'm like, yo, it's like, are those animals? Like what's going on here? <laughs> and, um, it was weird because I forgot how like comforting that area can be. Like, yeah, it's swampy and it can be hot, but like, I don't know. There's something like grossly comforting about hearing cicadas and also, yeah. And
1: also like basically the, flying cockroaches, right? Oh, in God, they're so yeah. disgusting.
0: But, and then like, also you always think about high school Like, God has been so gross and weird, but like, talking to these high schoolers and like seeing that even then they have some sense of self. Um, I found it really comforting because it was like some of the last people I interviewed, but it was really interesting because they were, it was easier to like peel back their layers cause they were just so ready to talk to you. So for me, I felt really comfortable there, even though it was in height, it was at a high school in the middle of a swamp basically, Right. which if you thought, if you told me tomorrow, like you want to fly here, I'd be like absolutely not. <laughs> um, but it was one of those things where like they were just so ready to talk. Um, They're like all these kids in this poetry club and they were just lovely and I just felt really home there um, that I found really, really nice. That's great. But at the same time, I mean, I would say that about every every place people welcome me in their homes for the most part. And I like not that anyone didn't welcome me. Sometimes I didn't meet in people's homes, but <laughs> everyone like uh, you just welcome their home. They sit down and you talk to them. And I think the hardest thing about this project was just being like, all right, cool. Like, thanks for sharing your life to me. Goodbye. It's right. like, walk out. You're like, yeah. all right, cool. Like, this happened to you when you were a kid? That sounds really traumatic. Like, I'm out. Yeah. Um, and you have, so. You have to figure out a way to kind
1: of, um, uh, you know, ease off and maybe keep the connection somehow. I yeah, mean, no, no, the, no. I mean, I do. Proj- I mean, yeah, the project also memorializes it in such a special way, right? I mean, that's that's almost a gift into itself.
0: Dude, it's just, it's so great. So um, the other thing that was important to me was like, I tried to only go to cities I hadn't been to. So believe it or not, I hadn't really been to L.A. I'd been to L.A. once to interview for a job a couple of years ago. Yeah. And Los Angeles just worked out for me because it was one of those places that um, it was the largest city I wanted to do. Um, and it it just had such a dichotomy of thoughts. And Chicago I wanted to do because it was, Chicago's a lot smaller than people think. And it's also a reflection of the Midwest. Um,
1: El were Paso? You, yeah, oh, no, I'm curious. were you Were you kind of, like those kids at all that, that you interviewed in in high school were I like you, them yeah were you, Yo, were you those
0: kids had some trauma that I had like I've never met my dad before and that sucks and I hate it and like it's weird and you know my mom's had to do a lot of work in her life to get me where I needed to go but like I mean the kids one of them talked about getting sexually assaulted one of them their dad was in prison another one has moved 10 times since he's been in high school like it was it was just interesting to see the level one of them was in Juvie for a year or nine months or however long. it was just so interesting to see the level of resilience that they had because they were so used to this like part of their life. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, like I feel them. It was like so weird being there. Like they were super aware, but also just, like such 17 year olds. It was like yeah. so interesting.
1: What were you like at that age? Were you into oh, photography man. at that time? Were you I know you're super into sports. Were you playing sports? Oh,
0: high school Andre. All right. So high school Andre, <laughs> uh I was in youth group a lot. Um, I had a film camera I got from my theater teacher when I was 15 or 16 as nice. a gift because freshman year I took, uh, intro to journalism with Stephen Thor. this like b- delightful Jewish redheaded man with a beautiful, large BMW. <laughs> Great um, name too. Yeah. He was a serious dude. And, um, <laughs> we had like a photo unit and so we like had these like little film cameras and I think, and this was crazy cause it was like 2005. So like we should have digital cameras, whatever. So, um, <laughs> We did that unit, and I kind of enjoyed it. And then, like, I would always like just kind of play with cameras whenever I was at run, random relatives' houses. As a Jamaican person, every any island person you know that listens to those podcasts knows you're like constantly at random half cousins' houses, just like <laughs> sitting for the whole day. So I would always be like looking for cameras and playing with them. And so I um, just really enjoyed it. And actually, the first camera I got was a gift from him. It was this Minolta SRT one hundred and one that he's a huge dent on the front of it because he yeah. dropped it in like scotland somewhere <laughs> and he was just like his mr tempest was his name he was deep voice like andre i caught this for you <laughs> and then i would just like there was a walgreens that was like half a mile from my house and i would or maybe it was a mile and i would just like walk there and like blow whatever money i had from like working at old navy or like i don't know
1: whatever other nonsense i was doing what was um, it about photography that that you liked that you enjoyed
0: i just thought it was fun man like i loved just like taking an occasional photo that like, and without looking, there's some photos I took even then where I was like, this is cool. I just really liked, like, I would like make yearbooks and like, I liked making my own stuff and I liked figuring out like ways to capture people. And I guess people were always easier for me. Like as an only child, um, my mom was really busy. You like spend a lot of time by yourself. So like when I was in school or things, I was always excited to make all these friends. And I guess in in that way, it was like an extension of like extension of like social social sociality social
1: socializing
0: socializing. Yeah. I, was, I was about to say socialism. Like, no, no, no. I thought that I would. <laughs> sociality um, sounds good too. So yeah, it was like a thing. It was like a version of socializing, and I just really enjoyed this idea of like freezing an image. Um, my mom was always that person that was like super supportive. So when she saw I started to like, I remember she got me this book, and the first line of the book says, "A lens is designed to be like an eye." But unlike the eye, a lens cannot differentiate what's important in an image. So you need to, as a photographer, need to figure out which skills you can use to isolate something and share it with the reader, which is like such a fascinating I love thing, that. right? Yeah. Um, and so she's just always super good about that. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, in high school I did theater. I was like a huge nerd. I was an IB. And so I wasn't really playing sports. We played a lot of Ultimate Frisbee. You were in what? Uh, I was in this like international program okay um and so we were like just busy studying all the time <laughs> okay. so like my like yeah no and in, in middle school i played like baseball and like volleyball and stuff yeah. but in high school i really just played phrase with my friends on the weekend and played basketball but like nice. we were not also my high school was very good at sports okay like our <laughs> high school quarterback denard robinson lays on the jaguars now like this is not oh wow so, like, so you were you this weren't wasn't, play No no no, 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 no. Yeah, i was yeah. not like no, no i would have died yeah um and do you
1: i'm curious do you have memories of jamaica like how old were you when, when so you we moved, moved when i
0: was four okay. but the last time we went before like i haven't been back since junior year of high school i took a lot of film photos um and so my memories are like you know my mom is like the matriarch of our family and she works really hard to try to make sure my life of my grandma and other people are good But, like, Memories of Jamaica are, like, uh, we, first of all, are the latest people you ever meet. Like, I'm surprised I showed up at any time today. (laughs) Like, every Sunday my entire life has been, like, a how are we late to church conversation. Oh, Especially when I was younger, I was like, I'm a child. Like, I don't, (laughs) I'm not responsible for this. You weren't running to it. but
1: (laughs) um, from another meeting or something. My
0: grandpa, I remember one time we were late, so I had, like, I missed a flight. And my mom's flight was somehow not the same time as mine. But it's also like such a quick flight to Fort Lauderdale, it's like an hour, so it's like whatever. Yeah. And I remember my mom wasn't there, so I had to like wait for a couple more days. And then my hair was like really long. So my grandpa's like I'm gonna take you get your haircut. <laughs> and so I sat, my grandpa's like a very large man, or he was, he died. Um, and he I'm like, I'm five eleven. My grandpa's like six four, he's a big dude. And especially when I was like junior, I wasn't like even fully tall yet. So yeah. I remember as a kid one time when I'd missed this flight he um because this happens all the time um he took me to get my haircut and we i just sat on the handlebars of his bike and he had uh like a beach cruiser and we're like kind of kind of rolling on this road and the road is like kind of wide but there was like an insane amount of potholes in it because it's like kind of a country road. Yeah. And so I remember being on this thing and we're just like kind of creeping along this like one stretch of safe asphalt with these two large potholes praying <laughs> to god that he like can keep me on. <laughs> um and just getting my hair cut. Um I remember watching Voltron at my grandma's house because she like only has like that one station and like for the most time it's like Sundays it's like church stuff yeah. whatever but like Saturday morning there's Voltron. Nice. I remember um <laughs> the first time I drove in Jamaica After I had my license in America and I just wasn't thinking I was driving on the right side of the road and (laughs) that's not going to work.
1: Hey guys, I want to tell you about our partner Scout Books. They are an incredible company based in Portland, Oregon, and they make customized notebooks. So if you're a company or a brand or an individual working on your own creative pursuit, you can work with Scout Books to create really brilliant, beautiful, small notebooks and I'm so excited to offer Making Ways listeners 15% off their first order with code Ways. So use MAKINGWAYS at checkout and you'll get 15% off. Scoutbooks are printed on 100% recycled paper. They have beautiful inks and pages. I'm actually working on a Making Ways notebook for you all, and I'm going through the process now, and it's been super fast and simple. So I'm excited for you guys to check out Scoutbooks visit scoutbooks.com to learn more and let's get back to the show what's been what's been your mom's role in your life i mean you've talked a lot of i've read a lot of of you speaking about how much she sacrificed how much she worked to provide for you what what does that mean for you and then even later i read in in new york she helped give you the money so that you could you could go out and meet new people over lunch oh, every yo. week. I mean, it sounds like
0: Yo, all praise to Sonia. Let me just go into
1: that. Um, <laughs> it sounds like an amazing support is... system.
0: Listen to me. I don't think I can properly complain about anything when I moved. All right. You want to hear something crazy? When yeah. I was in high school, my high school girlfriend's dad was some like, I don't know if he was mid-level or high-level executive at Motorola. And I didn't know this. I knew that, but I didn't know where he worked. And when I was a kid when we first moved, my mom was a teacher. She's a teaching in Jamaica but when she moved here that was like an associate degree basically so she'd get her bachelor's so my mom was like substitute teaching in the daytime going to school at night and then some nights when she didn't have school she was working at the Motorola factory like making phones or like whatever okay which is crazy <laughs> just go ahead and put that out there because I'm like tired already it's like three o'clock <laughs> and um so there was one time in high school when I my girlfriend was like hey we need to go get something for my dad's office we drive over there and I pull up and I'm like I've been here before when I was a little kid right. and it was like such a weird moment where you're like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is like, all right, so my mom moved, uh, we moved here in 94, I think. Um, it'd 94, 95, something like that. So I was like three or four. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there was a team effort, like my aunts and uncles would watch me when she was like running and doing stuff. But there's always a sense of like responsibility. She like, I I mean, I was like, there was a lot of times I was like by myself as a little, it's not like a little kid, but as a kid. So she would say like, hey, when I'm back, like like while I'm gone, I need you to read this timed reading because she's a teacher. I need you to vacuum this. I need you to make this bed. and you do this stuff. And I'm still like super um, intense about all that stuff now. But I think it's just a question of example setting. And like I want her to understand, like a weird point in my uh, contention for me right now is I don't think she like to this day fully understands what I do. Yeah um and so i like i'm trying really hard to like figure out ways to like translate that for her like she understands like your photographer whatever yeah but i don't think like she gets it because like she doesn't like use it like she uses the internet to like do work and read right. things but she's not just like on instagram or anything like that yeah because um, she
1: she maybe doesn't understand everything that
0: like goes into uh-huh. that or like and not even on instagram but just like oh like i had something published and she'll be like oh it was the new york times i'm like no and she's like okay <laughs> she just like goes on whatever she's doing, which is fine. And she doesn't mean anything bad by it. It's just like a question of recognition. Sure. So, um, but I think that like, it's just one of those things where there are certain things that you remember. Um, I have this memory of like, uh, but when I was a senior in high school, my mom was like crying because uh, something had happened. And I remember she looked at me and she was saying like, the last time I cried like this, you were a baby. And I had gotten an interview for this job I really wanted. And they called me that morning. We're like, Can you come in in two hours? And she's like, I went over to your dad's house and was like, Can you watch Andre? And like I said, I remember my dad before. And I guess I did when I was a little, like like one. Yeah. And she's like, Can you watch him? And he was like, No. And she's like, It's your day off and I really need it. And he was like, I don't want to do it. And she's like, I remember she's like, I remember standing in like my like really nice interview clothes and um Um and just like sobbing on the veranda. So a veranda is like a a porch with a really ornate gate at the front. So yeah. it's a way to keep your house like because basically you just like padlock the front of it right before you go to sleep and night so people can't break in. But like since it's like a British colony thing, there's like really nice metal um I was say metal bending. This is an avatar. <laughs> um whatever they call that thing. Um they have that. So like yeah. she's like standing on veranda. And it's difficult to explain because I'm not saying I always take things really seriously, but I mean I'm at a point now where like I'm starting to feel like my stuff is good enough that like I can work on whatever it is I want to work on and like it's a mix of like pridefully wanting to be like I can do this and like you know th- there's something mentally that sticks into like someone rejecting you as a child before yeah. you, they knew you and at the same level someone working so hard is that my mom's big thing is she's like I want you to have every experience you can so like I, w- I went to school with like a lot of rich Jewish kids and like Latin kids and like um, getting to go to a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs. And like my mom was very much about like, I need you to, you un, you will be more intelligent, well-rounded and understanding if you do experience all these things. yeah So for her, that meant like doing a ton of things to give me the opportunity to do that stuff. So um I can't really put to, I'll fully put to words what that means, but just like really starting to understand the level of like, I'm sure she was like exhausted. And then I'm just like, I was a very loud and like chatty and like intense child. yeah And I cannot imagine like, going to work <laughs> and then going to grad school and then coming home. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And she was like super gracious uh, out of it. Like, obviously like I still got spankings and I was like ridiculous,
1: but um, <laughs> it's great that you take all these inputs and, and their fuel, you know, even mm-hmm. the positive from your mom, the, you know, the challenge and, and you know, that rejection, maybe mm-hmm. that's, that's very deep from your father. And, and yeah, this kind of immigrant story mm-hmm. that you want to, that it's all, you're, you're channeling it through as energy mm-hmm. to to push you.
0: Yeah. And then in that same sense, when you hear other people, because that's such a key part of my identity, right? And then I've had people talk to me this year. I had this lovely woman, Pisha, I interviewed. And she talks about, like, getting married when she was 18 when she lived in San Francisco. And, like, realizing later that that wasn't her. She talked about, like, getting implants and like wanting to like look really great for her wedding what they meant for her and then realize later being like I, what am I doing this for and she like eventually like kind of like blew her life up got a divorce moved to Los Angeles and is like doing her life much differently now yeah but there's all these different things that we start to realize that like motivate us um and I guess this year the thing I've been trying to do is make art out of listening and through that also he- I make mean better hearing myself like I guess the stuff that bothers me. So the same thing I'm talking to you about, like, rejection, I yeah. will take a lot of things really personally that people, like, say, because in my mind, I'm always, like, trying to not be in a position where, like, someone can be, like, yo, deuces, because I, I don't I don't like that moment of, like, weakness, because I feel like I've experienced it. Yeah. But, like, just, you know, really hammer home for my mom is, like, um, she's just, like, a very steady person. You know, when I'm home, she's, like, doing the same stuff. She's, like, trimming weeds, or pulling weeds, like, trimming stuff, like, planting stuff, and just like working really hard. And as a teacher, she's like constantly doing stuff. And for me now there's like that level of like, and this is why I think I love Kanye so much is like, there's this level of like, you did so much for me and I want to make you like really feel great about like what you have available to you. So that's like getting her fun things or just like trying to get her to, to go and experience different stuff. I just feel like a lot of her life she spent trying to make sure that I can have certain experiences. Um, And I mean, I wasn't doing anything crazy stuff. And if we couldn't afford something, she'd be like, you're not doing that. Right. (laughs) And that was the end of the discussion. (laughs) It was terrifying. (laughs) But um, I think that uh, I think that there is like something to be learned from that, like that steadiness Um, and like knowing that if I do this right, if I hit everything right, like I should have a better earning potential and an ability that like she can kind of power down and like like come down the second half of her life much calmer also fun fact my mom was a leap year baby and it's the coolest fun fact about my mom she's like 14 years old or no she's 60 so she's 58 so she's like yeah
1: she's she's only had uh, she's only had
0: like whatever a fourth of yeah she's like almost 15
1: (laughs) she's only had 15 birthdays so um that's hysterical it's no it's
0: literally my favorite fun fact of my mom like simmer down you were 13 years old like please
1: and you've always sought out mentors. We talked about, you know, your your mom helping you pay for those lunches with, with people you're meeting every week. You have mentorship in the Adobe program. What was some advice that either helped you realize these things we were just talking about or helped you get through those tough moments? Any like great advice that you heard that you think you'll carry with you?
0: Yeah, okay. I'll give you a couple. So you know Paul Octavius? I don't. He actually. is uh this really incredible um artist and he's really popular on Instagram but like okay. that doesn't matter he's just awesome awesome i'll definitely um, check him out and i met him um i was in chicago as an intern in 2012 at the chicago reader nice. which is this um alternative news weekly that's really great um and i really wanted to work there because the art director paul higgins is like really cool and i've a man crush on him he's a nice dude and we're still friends nice um but they do this thing every year called best in chicago so it's like what it sounds like And they paid Paul this year to make all the covers. So he made all these like tiny, like, like, it's almost like that movie Downsizing, like that themed covers, like all these like tiny covers. Uh And I thought Paul was cool from forever, been following him forever. And I was at Pitchfork and I ran into him because he's like a very easy man to spot. He's like a very large, like strong black man with like a really particular look. And so I just like went up and said, hey. And we chatted for like half an hour. He just like wasted a bunch of his time with me. Wow! And I remember one thing he said to me, he was like, take every opportunity you can to be as creative as you can. Like you, you just, there's things you don't know. And, um, it's not a question of opportunity to try, but it's just like getting your, your hands ready to go. And then the day I was graduating, I was nervous and I texted him and he said, I've always looked forward to what's next because you don't know how to control that, which was good. Um, other people embracing nice. the, uh, the chaos. Yeah, which is like not um something that I love because right. I you and you don't know like bruh. Yeah, there's I no st- I don't care what anybody says. They're like, Oh, this is, this is exciting. I'm like, is it though?
1: <laughs> you want that stability. You want you, you want wanna this, know.
0: It's it's a weird mix because you want the stability, but you also don't want to get bored, but at the same time, like sometimes I'd rather be bored than like not have money. So like <laughs> yeah, let's figure this out. Right. And so um I mean other pieces of advice that really stood out to me. I'm a big like quote saver. So um like quotes wise that stand out to me there's this Blake Griffin commercial that I love it's like a Red Bull Blake Griffin commercial which is weird because I don't love Blake anymore (laughs) and I don't drink Red Bull but it's this commercial that was really well done it was in the streets LA and um, he says like you know people can't measure how much heart you have or how much you're willing to fight for something and he's like I remember my Oklahoma coach used to always tell me you need to fall in love with the process of becoming great and that really stood out to me because like that question of greatness is going to go on forever and ever the mentors in my life, sometimes they, it's not even what they say, it's what they do, and that like taking time to challenge me to think about what I'm doing. Mari was always great because she was always like, okay, why did you do this? I need you to explain to me why you did this, and <laughs> like not in a good or a bad way, just I need you to be able to articulate it. And there's a level of power in that being able to speak your intention.
1: That's great. Well, speaking of, you talked about this kind of like what's next and working on stuff. So, this program's wrapping up. Yeah. Um, May 11th is my last day. So, uh, how does that feel? And, what are you just going to hit the ground running? Like, what is coming up for you? And what, do you what do you want to see happen? want wanted ads. Overly... <laughs> so people just this pay me Podcast to exist. is perfect for that. What, like, w- what might you envision this year coming up ahead to be like in an ideal world? An ideal world.
0: I've been getting that the last two days. Who've been like, so what's next? And usually <laughs> I can put it off, but like now we're like less than thirty days. Um, so I got little things like I have a show that I'm doing with Urban Outfitters for the whole project in LA in May. I mean June, and that's gonna be cool. That's great. An Apple talk about darker skin tones. Gonna be really cool. Oh great. That like weirdly got internet famous, and there was a minute when I was like, oh, people like care about what I have to say. But I mean, that's next, awesome. I think there's a couple things I learned. When I talk about something people don't know, they want to read it. And I've always thought that like YouTube was kind of stupid. To be honest with you, I just never got it, man. Like my friends would be like, "Oh man, I keep not watch this it's crazy." Like I subscribe to this guy. I'm like, you sit and watch someone's videos they made. Why would I do that? There's <laughs> television. <laughs> I just I don't know, or like nothing at all. Like I would rather not do that. Um, but there's a value I, I've like learned in like making some how things. So I think I want to spend some time this year. Anytime I shoot something personally for me, walking through the process of it and being more articulated to other people, it's really important to me that other people have the opportunity to just understand what they don't know because there's a lot of things I don't know but if someone instead of like what I want to say to people that like DM me like what camera are you using that's all you're actually asking me you're asking you're asking me like what is the process which you got this image and like yeah I don't always love answering that because it is kind of frustrating but I think there's a lot of people that just want to learn how to express themselves and they think that they like how they express I've expressed myself and they want to do that also yeah and that may, that may be the case it may not and so I want to spend some time ideally this year just for my own self. Like I did that darker skin tone thing. I'm going to do an Apple talk about it. Like making short video content, which would kind of help me get better at video without being really high stakes. Yeah. Um, that helps explain things. Um, I think Matthew challenged me to, and this, this guy Adam Cornblue by now challenged me to not try to get like a creative job, which is like my inclination um, and to let the year ride out um trying to do as much photography based things as i can so i want to do some editorial stuff um stuff that like lets me go to a couple part places in the country that i didn't get to go for stories from here like um i remember i wanted to go to Shreveport, Louisiana when i was first planning cuz i wanted to get a couple of places that were like really rural and like not because that's like true america or anything but just so there's like an evenness of storytelling yeah um and so i want it'd be great to just do one or two things in these places that allow um, me to tell some stuff that's like different, whether that's farming stories or anything like that. Um, that's great. And then it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, immediately I'm like excited to like take a, like, I don't know if I want to take a break, but <laughs> take I like, like might try to like play a video game for the first time <laughs> in like the two years. Um, I, think
1: that, I think that sounds fair.
0: But yeah, no, I mean, um, like outside of, the like tutorial stuff and the editorial stuff. I think I want to really take some time and like um, do a lot of test shoots. I'm going to really try to do a lot of test shoots to see how much like some sort of fashion fusion. I don't know if I can do street style. Maybe um, I can do just to give myself an opportunity to try some different stuff. um, Just to like try it out and do it. Like work will hopefully come along. It's just a question of like, is it what I want? And then like, if it isn't what I want, is the opportunity cost of this enough for me to do it?
1: Yeah, I love um, that, and I love your work, Andre. I think it's, uh, I think it's really beautiful stuff, and I'm, I'm super pumped to see where it's, where it's gonna go, and and the experiments and and dude, things that you try over the next year. Thank you, Andre. Thanks so much for joining dude, the show. Yeah, hopefully I wasn't too chatty of a Kathy. No, you were awesome. Thanks so much for coming by. All right, man. That was my conversation with Andre Laroe. Andre, thank you so much for joining the show. I am so excited to see what you cook up next and really excited for you wrapping up this Adobe Creative Residency. You guys should definitely check out Andre's work. It is beautiful, really inspiring. And as Andre said, he's out there looking for new work and clients starting now. Go to andreleroux.com and also check out the Adobe Creative Residency All these links and to learn more about Andre, you can go to makingways.co and that's also where you can see the illustration I did of Andre and learn more about him as well. If you have been loving the podcast or if you're new to it and just checking it out and really enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review on iTunes. That's a really powerful way for more people to get to know this show, which has been around for one year now. So exciting. Also, sign up for the Making Ways newsletter at our website. It's a great way to stay up to date on new events and merchandise we have and stories behind the guests we have on the show and learn more about the show itself and how we create Making Ways. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix too. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.